into two parts, but the first part is really big. It's a majority of the letter, not just in the number of chapters we've given it, but in the volume of words that Paul gave it. He wants to talk more about here's what God has done than here's what it looks like in our lives. Because guys, if we'll just believe what God has done, the Holy Spirit will make it look like he wants it to look in our lives. We get so fixated on the second half, the the outcome and outlook of the gospel that we forget like what the message of the gospel is and we constantly need to be reminded of that so another way to look at it is is this letter could be divided up into four sections and and we're and i'm saying this because we're going to take some time going through this we're going to spend three weeks lord willing just in the first chapter just to give you which is not if you've been with cross train for very long or cornerstone before that for very long you know that our pace is usually much faster than that to spend three weeks in a chapter is a long time for us. Um, and, and there was purpose in that. But Romans needs to be handled a little differently. And so, one, we're doing these Sunday evening just Q&A times where I'll be leading this time tonight where if you just have questions or you want to you just share some thoughts about the passage, you can come here at 6 o'clock. We'll spend an hour, 6 to 7, that's it. And then you can go about the rest of your business um, but, we're, but also, we're going we're gonna to slow the pace down a little bit. So in chapters 1 through 4 of Romans, we see God's righteousness revealed. In chapters 5 through 8, we see his righteousness applied. So it's revealed in the first part. It's applied in the middle section. How did, how did it like technically get applied to us? And he gets into great de- detail about that. The third thing is, the third part is, is, is chapters 9 through 11, and it's, and it's his righteousness fulfilled, how he's going to marry God's story of the Old and New Testament together. And then the last part is, how is, the right, how is his righteousness unified in the body of Christ and in the church today? Guys, the reason this is so important, the reason Paul took the time to do this, inspired by the Holy Spirit for sure, is because the church in Rome was a train wreck. Now here, let me just tell you, you know I'm not big into big introductions for books. We'll kind of unlay, I'll I'll unfold more stuff next week and the week after about why the letter was written and and why it's important. But guys, here's what you need to understand right up front. Paul never visited Rome before he wrote this letter. He always wanted to, he hadn't gone. But the church had started there. But around 52 AD, the emperor of Rome threw all the Jews out of Rome. Now, every Christian... There was a Christian church in Rome already. Christians were already in Rome. They were all converted Jews. The Jew, the, the really Jewish Jews, the non-Christian Jews, get tossed. When they come back five years later, they're looking at these Christians, their former Jewish friends, and going, you're not Jewish enough. You need to be more Jewish. Now, you say, okay, well, I'm not Jew. and I'm not, what's what? well, In our vernacular, it would be, you need to be more moral. You need to be more legalistic. There was this whole other group, though, that were made up of the non-Jewish Christians, because some Greeks, just non-Jews, had come to faith in Christ. And they were saying, guys, the church is way too legalistic. The church is way too, I mean, the gospel is all about grace. Stop worrying about all these rules that your Judaism brought in. So Paul is, is, is hearing of these reports about this messed up church in Rome. You say, again, okay, Doug, that was in 57 AD is when he wrote this letter. What does that have to do with, 
with you and I in Peoria, Arizona in 2022. Guys, doesn't that sound like the church today? We are either massively legalistic or we are come as you are, stay as you are. There's no reason to change at all because grace covers everything, right? The hard mess is in the middle, and that's what we're trying to be, but that's also why Paul, he feels compelled to share this very robust, detailed description of here's what's wrong, here's what God did about it, here's how he applied it to, applied it to your life, here's how it's been the story God's telling from the beginning, and here's how it ought to change the way you live. And he's going to spend 16 chapters. That was a lot of writing for an old dude back then. He is going to, because he finds it so important. So look at your first talking points question to kind of connect where we're going to go here in just a minute to where we are today. It's what I was just alluding to. How does the church today mirror the problem in the early church where the good people get in the way of the gospel? I was going to ask for input, but I'm not going to right now because it's just where the Holy Spirit took our prayer time today. I think that was pretty evident in how graciously you guys prayed during our prayer time. But even, even in the midst of that prayer time, sort of acknowledging, man, the church has been on the leading edge of judgment on so many moral issues, right? We have come across as being just better. We are, we're just better than you. That is not a receptive gospel. You know what's a receptive gospel? Jesus is better. That's the gospel, Right, And so I think, I think we've sort of even, like I said, just in how the Holy Spirit orchestrated the time, sort of beautifully brought us to that place. So let's just jump right in to, to the message today. So the message we're looking at today is, what I, what I want to prove to you right out of the chute, because this whole letter is about the gospel, is does the church need it? Do we need the gospel, this letter of Romans? Well, obviously implied in that answer is yes, or hope we wouldn't be taking a year to teach it. So that begs the question for today. And the question for today is, why would the church still need the gospel? Right? If, we're, if, if we're sitting here, and when I say the church, guys, I'm, you're not the, I'll just let you in a little secret. If you're sitting here and you're unsaved and you know you're unsaved, you're not the church. Sitting in this room right now does not make you a Christian and it doesn't make you the church. You are welcome here. You're welcome to be here as long as you want to be, as long as you want to be here. Right? I, I want you to invite as many not-churched people as possible. But what makes you the church is being born again. Right? What makes you the church is being committed to a family of believers by the Holy Spirit. You can't be that unless you're born again. So, so if you go, okay, but wait a minute, but I am, I am that. I am born again, and I am committed to this local church, so why in the world do I need to take a year to learn the go- to, to hear about this gospel in such great detail? That's what we're going to look at today. And frankly, that's what we're going to be looking at throughout this series. Why does the church still need the gospel? Well, the reason is, and what he's going to show us in this passage, and we're just going to look at the first 17 verses of Romans, and if you did your daily readings like... Um, the Griffins encouraged us to do, and you listen to Jamie so beautifully read the passage, this will be the third time you've heard it today, because you should have read it this morning, had it read to you, and now I'm going to teach through it. And so, and if you come back tonight, you'll probably hear a little bit of it again. So what a great way to really get into the Word. But what the passage is going to show us is that the gospel is how we find our belonging. That's the first point we're going to look at in the first few verses. It is our source of encouragement for one another, 
And it is the righteousness of God revealed. And so let's take a look at just the, the, our first point in answering the question, why would the church still need the gospel? It's how we find our belonging. Look at what he says. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. By the way, the word euangelion is used three times in the first part of this letter, ten times in the whole letter. So the word gospel is used throughout this letter. There's the first time. So he's saying, I set apart for the euangelion of God, the good news of God. God, I was called and set apart for the gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in, the, in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom you receive grace and, and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of the name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus. Please, for the love of all things holy and sacred, use a period, Paul. Guys, do you understand that that whole thing is one sentence? You're like, why is he just reading? Why isn't he making a point? Because Paul is like just, he, and this, he's like the master of this. He is the master of prepositional phrases. Guys, I stink at English. I had, when I was in Greek, the reason I barely passed Greek is I don't know English. How many times did I have to look at you girls and go, can you tell me what a preposition is again, please? Like, it's just like, but here's basically the, the, what it amounts to. Paul, Paul would, would, he'd write a sentence inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he would feel compelled to, to flesh that out a little bit, to go, man, I can't just leave, I can't just leave set apart for the gospel of God. I have to, man, I have to like bring some life to that preposition. Prepos so all these parts between verses 1 and 7 are just these little nuanced prepositional phrases where Paul is bringing out more of the beauty of the gospel. Now, because he's going to do that, for 16 chapters, I'm not going to take a ton of time to break down all these little truths because these truths lay out in the rest of the book. But I wanted to show you how the beauty of God's word works. So take a look. Hang with me if you can. So take a look at where. So, so here's an example of what I'm talking about with this idea of why Paul just has this long run on sentence. So he's saying, here I am. I am called, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets. And then he says, concerning his son. Now, now, the way, my trans, the way my publishers break that, with, with, it's, it's really a bad break. The break in the thought is between concerning his son and the word who. Here's a, here's a deeper dive into what Paul's saying. So he's saying, so he's saying the gospel about his son, and he, now he's going to go, but who's his son? Like, I, I can't just go about his son. I need to go into, some, into a little, here's his son, who descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God. So do you see how verses 3 and 4 give you a better definition of who Jesus is from a very practical way? And then he says in verse 5, through whom you have received grace. Now here's the problem with his prepositions. Read it this way. I'm in verse 2. Which he promised beforehand. Now jump to verse 5. Through whom you received grace. Do you see how the thought just flows? You, gospel, he promised beforehand, you, through whom you receive grace. The rest of that, I mean, I'm not saying it shouldn't be there. Obviously, it should be there. I'm just saying it, the thought, the power in the thought flows a little better to me when I go, 
okay, wait a minute. Verse 2, I re- which he promised. It was a promise of God, and I have received that promise. And then he goes on to say, and, and by the way, that which was promised and through whom you received, that is the gospel message. It is the fulfillment of the promise of God in you if you're in Christ. In verse 6, he says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. He's saying, guys, th- this includes us. Now look at verse 7. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called saints. Grace to you and peace from our God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, looking at just 6 and 7. Who is Paul writing this to? Who? The believers. He's writing to the church. So remember what I just said. So let's cut out all the prepositions and just read his point. Verse 1, first part. The word from is implied in the Greek, so it's not there. From Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now jump down to verse 7. To all those in whom, you are lo- who, in whom are loved and called saints. Doesn't that sound more like a letter you and I would write? Like, like if we had we writing from Doug to Sean. Thank you for the clarity of thought, Paul. I really appreciate that. The point is, he's saying, guys, it is, it is you can't just get rid of all that beautiful stuff in between. Because it is, it is from the beauty of the gospel message in there that the from and the two find their meaning. Otherwise, he's just a dude in Corinth on his third missionary journey writing to a church he's never visited. So he's saying, I am Paul, a servant of Christ, and yes, I am an apostle. So that makes him more than just a dude. But there are lots of people calling themselves apostles. And then he says, but I'm writing to the church. Guys, guys, here's the bottom line. It is in, and we'll finish up this first point with this. It is in are beholding all those prepositions in the middle when we believe that we really feel compelled to belong. Guys, if if you behold the beauty of Christ and his word and you really believe what he said, you will not only want to belong to him, you're going to want to belong to his bride. So look at your second talking points question. Because he's writing, Paul is writing, God is writing, the Holy Spirit is writing, this, this righteousness revealed in the gospel of, of Romans to us. So it says, the gospel is the euangelion. Say it again with me. Euangelion. Is the euangelion of God, the good news. It is not simply, it's supposed to be simply, sorry, my typo. It is not simply a promise, but a proclamation. The, that God saves sinners through his Son. And if you are in Christ, it is a declaration that, are you, that you are loved and called and belong to God. You're a saint. He just sees you that way. He just sees me that way. Not, not, not that my sin doesn't, I, not that I don't struggle with sin. He just chooses not to see it anymore. So how does that make you feel? I'm asking, how does that make you feel? Loved. Free. Good. I heard somebody else. Awesome. That's okay. That's good. Grateful. Worthy. Okay. Accepted. Fearless. Who said that? Fearless. Good. Yeah. If you, I mean, if he's called you and he's saved you and you're his, right? Like, what's what Paul? Like, what, what can? If I, I'm not living in the, for the fear of man. What can man do to me? 
Right? It's, it's, he's like, yeah, I, God only, I, I need to only worry about what God thinks of me, is what Paul tells us in, Corin, in um, 2 Corinthians, I think it is. Any other thoughts? What? I heard to Loved. Pumped up. Pumped up. Uh, yeah. Like, we should be pretty excited about this, and we'll get there in just a minute, like, towards the end of the message, actually. If, if the gospel doesn't excite us, there, man, we better check our Christian polls. Like, seriously, we may not actually be born again. What else? I heard somebody else say something. Blessed. Blessed. Yeah, guys, because you got to remember, like, this is, if this is true, if the God, I mean, if it's true in your life, it's all God. And that's part of the point that, God, that Paul's going to make. Like, he's like, it's all of God, so you should feel blessed. Right? Like, like that, and that blessing should move us to activity and action. Let me see. Uh, okay. So, Paul hears this bad report, church that, that needs to be reminded of what the gospel is and what the gospel does, and his solution is to give a very detailed description of what those things are, right? I mean, like, and that's what this letter is going to be about. So part of why the church still needs the gospel is we need to be reminded it is by the gospel by which we belong, belong to Christ and belong to one another. And the second thing is, and our second point is, and we need to be reminded that it is by the gospel that we are encouraged, that we are encouraged. So take a look at verse 8 of chapter 1. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Remember, he's never met these people. I mean, for, like, he has never been to the church, at least, or the church is in the, in the city of Rome. But he's thanking God. So I'm thanking God. That's something we ought to be doing to encourage one another, is thanking God for each other, even for the people. Guys, and we'll talk more about this next week, Lord willing. First Corinthians, that church was a, where he was when he wrote this, that church was a train wreck of a mess. I mean, it, it had taken a mess to a whole different level of mess. And he still writes to them and says, I praise my God for you. Can we praise God? Can we thank God for the people in this room, the people that are not here, the people that, that, that are part of the church that frustrate the snot out of us. Can we do, can we go, thank you, Lord, because you are using them to conform me into your image. Right, that's much harder. And again, we'll kind of get there towards the end today. He says, for God is my witness, whom I served with my spirit in the gospel of his son. So there, even that is, he's serving in the power of the gospel. That without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayer. So there's another thing we should be doing for one another. And, and guys, you guys are, it's, it's you guys are the most prayerful people I know, honestly, as far as praying for one another. I mean, it's, it's just where the Lord has taken this church in the last, really about three years, but it started probably two years ago in prayer, and not just on Sundays, but man, it, I'm, it's just, it's humbling to even just be a part of it, like seriously. So thank you guys for being that example to others. I mean, when I talk to other pastors and about kind of how, we're, how we gather and then the things that, other things that are going on in our prayer lives, I mean, they're just shocked. Like churches, like literally churches 10 times our size can't get, can't get 20 people to show up to pre-service prayer. Like that's the, and these are good Bible teaching churches, right? So yeah, it, it just, it's an act of the Holy Spirit for sure. So thank you guys for that. Verse 11, for I, now look, look, at, look at this pastoral heart from Paul. For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you to strengthen you. I want to encourage you and I want to equip you. But in what? In the gospel. Because that's what the whole letter's about. So he's going he's gonna to do it by letter until he can get there. He says, I don't want you to be unaware. Oh, then he says, then he says in verse 12, that is that, that we may have mutual encouragement. 
that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Guys, when we gather together as God's people, being just the act of being together, if you're, Christ, if you're a Christian, should nourish your soul. Guys, I'll be honest, like this, this is my great joy as the pastor of Cross Train. Like, 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 the fa- like I'm, I am exhausted today. I, I, and so are you. I, there's no, I'm, I'm no more busy than any of you. I'm not. I was in school all day yesterday. I got more papers to write between now and next Saturday's school than I know what to do with. I mean, I can, I can get into a full-blown anxiety attack like that. But, I, but what I don't, and not just because I had, had to teach today, but my, I'm like, but I need to be with God's people because I will leave here today just better. Guys, you guys make me look more like Christ. And I, and I am I'm genuinely saying this. Listen, listen, listen. One, two, three eyes on me. I am eternally grateful for that. My family is eternally grateful for that. Because I get that we hurt each other sometimes. I get that being in community and being in relationship brings scars. Because the, the most painful scars are not the physical ailments or the times you wiped out. The most physical or the most painful scars are the emotional ones caused by trauma, caused by someone else. And, it, and guys, there is no avoiding that without avoiding community. But here's where we have to see it different. This is what's so like, wait a minute, isn't this point something about encouragement, Doug? Here's, here's the, it's, it's all about perspective. When I stop seeing the scarring, it's painful, it hurts, I'm human, I get it, so are you, we all do it. But when I start seeing the scarring as things that make me enter into glory more beautiful, because I will look more like Christ when I get there. I can instead say thank you. Right? So it's so and, and I feel I realize that what I just said there makes it sound like hey, thank you guys for making me look more like Jesus because I come here just waiting to be scarred. That that's not true. Like the scarring is a minor part of our relationships together, right? It, but it is a part that we need to acknowledge. The part that the beautiful part of just being together and hearing prayers and singing songs of praise and and, and sharing the word together. Guys, like, like that is soul nourishing and Christ conforming. And so, so on behalf of my family, like genuinely thank you for helping us look more like Jesus. And that's ultimately, like Paul's like, man, I want so desperately to be together with you because we will come out on the other end of our togetherness looking more like Christ. Look at verse 13. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you but, but I've been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the, other gent, among the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians. That's just people that were not Jews and not Greek. Both to the wise and to the foolish. So basically it was his way of saying I am under obligation for the gospel to take the gospel to all kinds of people. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Guys, the mission consumed Paul. It did. It just, it literally, from the time he had his encounter with the risen Christ, it consumed his life. The question is, does it consume yours and mine? Does it consume our church? Guys, if, 
community, all that stuff I said about community, community without being on mission is just codependency. If, if, every, if everything I just said was, was true, but we were never talking about taking the gospel to unchurched people, our neighbors or, or people across the globe, guys, then, all, then I'm just a needy person who wants you to meet my needs, and, and I want to meet yours because I feel better about myself. That's just codependency. That's not real biblical community. So I'll say that again. Community without the mission is just codependency. But guys, the mission without community is just a cop-out. And we see that happening all the time. If co- it was way before COVID, but COVID has just escalated the problem. How many people do we know that we're going to church, that we're saying they were committed, that still are saying they're committed to Christ, but we just don't do church? Or you know what, it's just me and my friends hanging out in my, you know, my Bible study or, or whatever, like whatever their thing is. Guys, that is just a cop-out. And it diminishes the beauty of the collective witness of Christ. And so we, we need to be aware of, of that, in our, that danger in our own lives. Paul, Paul wanted to encourage his brothers and sisters. That, that was his heart. He's like, because, because I will look more like Jesus and so will you. So here's why you were given a three-by-five card today. It's, your, it's, your, it's part of your third talking point question. And the last point goes fairly fast because it's two verses and we're going to talk about those next week. So um, just so you know, it says, your third talking points question says this. Why would Paul feel so burdened to preach the gospel to the church in Rome? Like, why not take it to the unbelievers? What does that say about the churches, our need for the encouragement of the gospel, and how it is made evident in our gathering? So here's what I want you to do, and, and I know we're a little over, and it's okay. I want you to take two minutes. You don't have to put the person's name on it. Don't put, you don't have to put your name on it. You could put the person's name on it. And you can put your name on it. I don't care. You have freedom in Christ. But here's what I want you to do with your three by five card. I want you to write somebody in here two or three sentences of encouragement. Here's the only rule. It can't be somebody you're sitting with, like sitting next to. And it can't be me. I mean that. So I want you to just I just want you to take a minute right now. And I want you can look around. Maybe it's somebody you don't even know. Like, like, you literally couldn't write their name on the card because you don't even know their name. But, man, you're like, man, I just love how you pray this way or how, you, how loud you sing or how you just seem to worship or whatever your thing is. Just write it down. And then when we're done today or we're in our communion time, our time of response, just go hand it to them. Don't talk to them about it. Just hand it to them. That's how easy encouraging can be. Go.
Okay, you can finish up your thought, but not right now, I'm preaching. But you can finish up your thought. It's, we'll have some time of response here in just about five minutes and finish your thought. And then during our time, we're going to get up and do communion as couples. Um, so you can get up, if you, yeah, you'll, you'll get up to do communion. You can give it to the person then if you want or wait till after church or slip it in their Bible or however you want to do it. But I said, I just want to encourage you, don't talk to them about it. Just, just go, hey, here. And let the Holy Spirit just have that interaction. But, um, but, but make that a habit. Guys, did you come to church today like me, going, man, I, I just really, my battery is drained and I need to be fed. I, I, I think, I probably is pretty safe in saying pretty much everybody here is in that boat. And that's okay. That's why we get, part of why we get together is to get our battery, plug in, get our battery recharged. But don't, don't make that your only reason. I want to challenge you, like when you walk in the doors next Sunday to go, yes, I, I am worn and I need to be recharged, and I need to find someone to encourage. Because that's the other reason you're here. Right? It's not on me to encourage all of you. It is on us to encourage one another. Right? That's the beauty of the body of Christ. And I love how you guys do that. Genuinely, you guys do that better than any church I am aware of. Like just watch what happens when the service is over. It's a, the service isn't over. It's just amazing. Like, it's so beautiful. So, Paul wants to go there and be a part of that beauty with the church at Rome. He's never been there. He's like, man, I'm hearing some, some crazy things. I'm gonna do the, so, I'm going to do the next best thing, and I'm going to detail out what the gospel looks like, and I'm going to tell you, hey, man, here's why you still need the gospel church in Rome. It's because it is how you find your sense of belonging. It's how we're encouraged. And then here's the biggie. Here's the biggie. And it's such a big deal. This is all we're going to teach on next week. Next week, I got two verses. The two verses we're going to do right now. So I'm going to start them today, and we're going to rehash them next week because it is a massive deal. Because it, why do we still need the gospel? Because the gospel reveals the righteousness of God, right? And that is everything. So take a look at our, our last point, our last two verses. For he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I'm fighting the urge to break this whole thing down because that's what I'm going to be doing next week. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe to the Jew first and then to the Greek. It's his way of saying this is how God's story unfolded. First the good news came to the Jews, then it came to the Greeks or the, or the non-Jewish world. And that's what the rest of the letter is going to show. He's actually going to spend the whole letter talking about that. But he's saying, it is the power. It is the power to do what? It is the power unto salvation. Kind of a big deal, guys. Christianity is not just, here's, here's a list of things to live morally. It's not even just a thing like, hey, here's, here's, how, here's what a great person, or even here's what a great savior Jesus is. Christianity is about a redeemer who did something. And what he did is the power for us to be saved. And then he finishes it up with this. For in it, and this is where I got the, the whole, this is the theme of the book of Romans. For in it, in what? What's, who, what's the it? The gospel. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For it is written, the righteous one shall live by faith. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So guys, the gospel according to Romans is this. By grace, 
God has revealed his righteousness to you and I in Christ Jesus. By grace, God has revealed his righteousness to you and I in Christ Jesus. And for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, this is, we're going to go into communion now, and I have no idea who the couples are. Or I apologize, John. Do they know? Okay. So um, we're going we're gonna to do communion as couples. We haven't done that in a while. So there'll be couples stationed around the room, and the music team can come up, and, and we're going to go into our time of response with this. But here's what I, guys, I don't, do not let this time disintegrate into talking like into just casual talking. This is the time in the service where you ought to be thinking about the reality of what we're, about the fact that the righteousness of God is revealed in Jesus Christ. And it's what he told, is why we do communion. When Jesus instituted the communion in the upper room in the Last Supper, what did he say? For as often as you take this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection until he returns. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating that, that Jesus is, guys, the gospel, like Jesus, are the same in a very real sense. It, that's why I said a few minutes ago, if the gospel doesn't excite you, if the idea of going through the gospel in great detail over the coming weeks doesn't excite you, I'm, I would, as gently as I can, but as sternly as is allowed, I would ask you if you are truly in love with Jesus. If the gospel doesn't excite you, are you truly in love with Jesus? Because he is the gospel incarnate. That's what Christmas is about. He is righteousness revealed. He is the redemption of man. He is the he is the he, the gospel, his power in us is the hope of our glory someday. He is it. He is all of it. And and Paul so desperate to tell these people, guys, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus from Paul to the church. In Christ, you'll find your belonging. In Christ, you'll find your encouragement. In Christ, you'll find God's righteousness applied to you. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that as we go into this time of communion, um, we can stop and take pause in a world that is crazy busy and just remember that the gospel is not about us doing, but it's about you did. It's about just a series and series of unfolding promises of God, fulfilled by God, pointing forward to and being perfected in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so as we take this bread as Christians that is your body broken, and as we take the cup that is your blood shed, let us remember what we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming that we have beheld the beauty of Christ and that you are just better. We have beheld that we believe in the promises of God because of what we have seen. And we have believed 
which leads us into belonging. Belonging to you and belonging to one another. What we're about to do is a family meal. So as your family, may we come to it with great encouragement in our souls. In Jesus' name, amen.